Everyday Conversations, a podcast by the Gospel Coalition Australia. Following Jesus is a whole of life pursuit. As friends talk and share and learn and ask, we pray that you would be encouraged to think deeply. Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Alex and I uh, am new to Sydney, moved here last October, uh, working with doing ministry uh, alongside a ministry called Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. And our basic vision is to help the thinker believe and the believer think, uh, using apologetics to do evangelism, to clear away obstacles so people can see the goodness and the truth of Jesus Christ and hopefully follow him. So. I do a bit of that, mostly looks like me researching, writing uh, in my second bedroom in our office uh, and, uh, and then speaking whenever the opportunity avails itself, yeah. It's great. Alex, you can tell that you introduce yourself relatively regularly because that is a slick. The <laughs> spiel, <laughs> hey. Yeah, it's the spiel. Yeah, I try not to make it too, too much like that. The vision but, of Aussie I am is like, yeah. It's it's a punch. Like, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's like, good. what does that? It's like, what does that look like? Well, I don't know. Some weeks it's different, but um, but you get it, you know, you get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you got the gist. It's good. Yeah. Good. Uh, James, how about you? Cool. Yeah, I'm James. Uh, I'm married to Katie, residing here in the inner west of Sydney. Uh, I'm one of the pastors on staff at Anchor Church, which is uh, yeah, a church plant that used to physically meet in Marrickville, but now we meet in 20 plus locations around Sydney because we're doing church at home during COVID. So yeah, that's me. Awesome. And that's how we all know each other. We are all part right. of it. We're buddies. Um, yeah. So good. Uh, and I am Brianna. I'm actually the producer of this podcast. So this is a bit cheeky of me just popping yeah. into an episode. Uh, I promise it's not because I've run out of guests. It's just because I wanted to get on this topic of doubt. I love talking about this. It's something that I've thought heaps about over the last 18 months. And I think it's something that as Christians, we, do, we don't talk about enough. And I am always so interested to hear about other people's experiences of it and their wrestles with it, struggles with it, questions about it. Um, yeah. So... I've talked to Alex a little bit about this in the past, but I've actually never talked to you about this, James. What do you want to start? I'd love to hear about like your, your experience of doubt, whether it's yourself or just in Christian community. Yeah. I mean, doubt for me probably hits relatively close to home. I'm a pretty deep thinker and quite analytical. Um, yeah. Just in the way that I think about things and process ideas and stuff like that um and so yeah i think particularly you know in my young adulthood years i suppose doubt has been significant just because you know look growing up in a christian family um in some ways like inheriting faith from very devout parents yeah you just don't have the opportunity or you just don't really think about asking some of those big questions yeah um and I think what I realized as I began to ask questions myself, as well as just, 
you know, generally being involved in young adults communities in the church over the last 10 years or so, like you just realize that people don't really talk about it very much. Yeah. Um, you, know, you might have, you know, a big sermon series, maybe it's like a one question sermon series or something like that, you know, annually or every second year or something. But even then, it's normally more of an evangelistic focus towards the outsider rather than the people within the church. Yeah, yeah, fully. So I just think it's a really big deal. I think like people need to be able to have a safe space where they can ask questions and wrestle with doubt, like legitimately, um, and articulate like things that they struggle with like in terms of ideas and beliefs within their faith they're difficult to reconcile and yeah anyway that's a lot i'm just giving you a lot of stuff now but that's good that's yeah. some of the context yeah um and i think there's also just generally the natural process of like you know i was in sunday school then i was in youth group yes and, and you know that was fine yeah and there wasn't much at stake but now i'm a young adult and you know jesus calls me to base my life's decisions and you know my finances and how i spend my time and how i express myself you know sexually you know he calls me to obedience in these different ways and kind of faithfully living in his example mm. and i think at that point there's a lot at stake and so you just have doubts because you're like man i want to i want to freaking know is this like true because you know if i don't if i don't fully believe this why would i want to live in this yeah. radical way yeah um, yeah Alex, I'd, I'd be keen to hear about your personal experience as well of this. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's fun. I feel like um, doubts are sort of like an occupational hazard for me. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> yeah, both in like wrestling with the objections that people have towards Christianity <laughs> and seeking to respond to them in a way that's credible, but also, you know, ex- expressed with tangible love. Um, but then most of the questions that I find myself addressing are ones that I've personally wrestled with, which is helpful because I can sort of speak uh, hopefully powerfully from personal testimony and experience. I'm a, I think you said this, James, and if you didn't, um, I'm not trying to project this onto you, but I myself am quite a melancholic guy. I'm pretty good at introspection. I'm an extrovert in terms of what energizes me, but you give me, you know, a big cup of tea and a couch and I'll sit there and sink myself into loops. And um, that, can be, that can be really helpful um, when you're trying to nut out a particular topic. Yeah. Um, but it can also be quite enslaving and, yeah. uh, and quite detrimental. Can't get out of and, your thought cycle. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. And it kind of, I guess it hints at the fact that actually much of what doubt is sometimes, and this has been, definitely been true in my own life, is sometimes like when we define doubt, we might say doubts are like an intellectual problem you have with Christianity. But much of the time in my own experience, if I've tried to articulate what the intellectual objection is that I'm wrestling with. I have an answer. Yeah. 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 Or, well, actually what I was going to say is I don't have an answer. I can't articulate it. Right. Um, Right. It's just a feeling. It's just a feeling. feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe it's like literally a mental health state. Maybe I need a nap. Maybe I need to go for a run. Right. Um, yeah, so much of yeah. what doubt can be is like this psychosomatic union yes. where actually yeah. I'm just living a really unhealthy lifestyle right now um, and thinking in my room by myself isn't going to help me. I should yeah. go chat with a friend. I should go get a coffee. I should go yeah. for a walk. But um, it's like yeah. um, the insidiousness of that cycle is you mm. reach this point where you, it's like this, for me anyway, it's like this feeling of, it's like existential terror that like uh, yeah. just like overtakes you. Mm. and you think it's a question 
in my experience of this is like you kind of what you're just saying are you you think oh no it's that i've got an issue with this particular thing and then you either work out that you can't articulate it or you do articulate it and you think no i've i've thought about this before like there is an answer to this and then think no well that wasn't really my question my terror must be connected to the question behind that question and then you're like no no i've got a qu- i've got an answer for that too like that's mm. not it and then you think well you think right well this is just an emotional state i'm just going to get out of the house, go for a run. But then the insidious cycle in your head is like, well, that's exactly uh, what you do if you, if this was not real, like if it's real, you should sit here and just work this out. Like this is is urgent. You have to just sit with this, but then you just do it over and over and over again and it doesn't get you anywhere. Yeah. And I think that, that, that kind of experience of doubt in my life has been the hardest to like reconcile myself with in terms of, living in Christian community, like the first time that I confessed to someone that I was feeling like that was pretty scary. Mm. It was like, you can't be someone who leads a Bible study group and is, you know, mentors people. And then also sometimes be like, I don't know if God exists. (laughs) Like (laughs) That feels pretty, uh, feels pretty controversial. Mm -hmm. Um, But my. I feel like there's a lot more people out there like that, you know, just all in the closet. Yeah. 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 And therefore, because they have that undergirding belief that they can't do that, there's a lot of people who feel like imposters, yeah. um, feel like frauds and are afraid of someone wow. finding out. Yeah. 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 But actually the, um, yeah, the, that process for me of like sitting, I, I it, was, it was kind of last year, I sat in that space of um, pretty regular existential terror <laughs> for mm. like 12 months. And it was by far the heart like the worst spiritual suffering i've ever been through like i Mm. ask that the lord does not inflict that on me again but Mm. right now from the perspective that i'm at i can look back and i am uh, like i can i start to see hints of what the lord was doing in that um Mm. i really hope that he's finished teaching me (laughs) he's like but we'll see um Yeah. yeah like it was so it was so it is so humbling i've never Last year, I learned to pray every day that the Holy Spirit would give me faith that Jesus is Lord. Like that's, mm, that was wow. the, I'd wake up every morning and I'd be like, oh, Lord, all I want is to get to the end of the day and still be proclaiming that you are Lord. That's it. <laughs> like, mm. Just hold me for another day. Just hold me for another day. Um, and having to be so, um, so obviously at his mercy to be the, like, the author and perfecter of my faith. Um, mm. Was that like a totally private journey for you or like, was that shared with people in some ways? Mm. Um, I wish I'd, yeah, I wish I'd shared it earlier. Mm. Um, when it first started happening, it was so disturbing to me that I just felt like I couldn't even articulate it. Like I just, mm. I, um, I didn't know how to share it because it wasn't like I had a specific issue that I was working through. It wasn't like I could say to someone, oh, I'm really struggling to, you know, reconcile the historical evidence of Jesus, or I'm really struggling to reconcile suffering in God. Now, all those issues like did actually come up in my, in the kind of journey, but for the first couple of months, it was, it was pretty private. Um, mm. And then I got to the point where I was like, I need help. Like I can't yeah. do this by myself. I need to tell someone about this. Yeah. Um, Mm. It's just, yeah it's just so important because i feel like there's a teaching point in there i feel like in you know in our 
21st century Western church, you know, with our cultural values of like self-reliance and, you know, self-sufficiency and stuff like that, the narrative has been or is expected to be, oh, like if you would share that publicly, like, oh, that's so bad. Like, yeah, look how weak you were. Like you obviously didn't have enough belief to like, you know, wake up every day not feeling like that. Where in actual fact, it should be, wow, like this is actually a really powerful demonstration of faith Mm. because you wake up feeling this way, yet the evidence of your faith is in the fact that you then ask for help Mm. and, you know, you're crying out to the Lord. And it's like, that is so much more a display of faith than this person who wakes up and has no doubts. And so they don't cry out. They don't ask for help because they don't feel like they need it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. And I feel like in that is just so much of the issues of our church culture is people don't share that because they feel like, oh, that's going to, that's going to expose me. Yeah. And they suffer in silence. And then often, you know, that kind of appropriate or healthy, I don't know, just like that, that normal degree of doubt then hidden under guilt and shame and Mm. lack of transparency then morphs into something bigger um yes then might be destructive yeah Mm. Yeah. if i can i've just sorry to cut you off free but i've actually got an analogy for this let me try to emphasize um i i use this with uh, a group of students in the uk when they asked me to speak on doubt and they thought it was helpful uh so i like comparing doubt to like fruit in a backpack (laughs) um and there's always a right way to deal with fruit in a backpack and it it actually looks like eating it um and when you eat it in the right context with the right timing in the right way in other words fruit wisdom when you've got wisdom on how to treat fruit uh, it actually works for your health not for your harm but when you leave it for too long out of shame because all the other kids have better lunches than you or etc etc it just gets insidious <laughs> and festers and gets gross and from the inside out decays. Yeah. And so fruit, what was intended for health actually brings you harm. And I think yeah. the same wow. is true of doubts. Like if we don't have wisdom for how we treat our doubts, mm. then what was intended for health or what yeah. can be for our health and our, the growing of our faith uh, can actually be for its harm. Yeah. How much of it is a, this is, you can't even really split it up, but how much of it is a spiritual issue and how much of it is an intellectual issue? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, well, maybe it could be helpful to talk around sort of two major points then sort of looking forward is like, um, what is it in our cultural moment and in our church cultures, um, which will help us diagnose our sort of flawed relationship with doubt. Um, we could talk about heaps of things there uh, and then also within ourselves. And then also too, that would be descriptive and then prescriptive, like how should we think about doubt? So, yeah. I guess you we're describing doubt right now. Um, yeah. One thing I've found really um, helpful to realize is that much of what um, sort of dictates our relationship with the phenomenon of doubt is the church culture that we find ourselves in. Mm-hmm. And there's two ends of the spectrum that I think it would be unhelpful to sort of um, polarize ourselves towards. One would be saying this is only spiritual. And the other would be to say this is only physical or only mental. Um, if it's like only spiritual and then we actually won't do the proper things like trying to think well, trying to do, um, Mm, like physical activities. Yeah. Yeah. You just need more faith. And then the only problem with that is that you haven't defined what faith is, um, which means you're never sure if you've got it and you're always sure that doubts are the opposite of it. Um, 
And so if you lean towards the other end of the spectrum, you say it's only like mental, you just need to think better things or you need to just, or it's only physical, you need to go for a run. Um, then you won't engage in the other categories of life, which are the spiritual, the prayer, the solitude, the fasting, yeah. the engaging in community and mm. all of it because we're holistic beings, all of them are relevant always. And so I guess my thoughts would be, yeah, we just want to avoid those poles yes. and rather than saying, Oh, it's spiritual attack. Um, or it's just, I need to go for a run and I'm just mentally drained or whatever. We should always just be open to all possibilities at all times uh, and open mm. ourselves up as holistic beings to, I guess, the plethora of categories of life that are part of our discipleship. Yes. Yeah. So like that, that's the big sort of avo- avoiding those poles. Yeah. Yeah. I think actually that, that is making me think, I reckon that um, if my personal experiences of doubt have kind of taught me a, one major lesson, it probably is more like I have, they have taught me to rethink what belief is, what trust mm. is. And it is that my faith in Jesus as Lord is that <laughs> there's a reason that the Bible describes it in those conglomerate of ways. <laughs> mm. it, it's not this um, just intellectual assent or even intellectual confidence. It's mm. not this kind of, um, I am rationally confident that all the evidence leads to this. Mm. It's actually a whole of life thing, a whole of being thing. And so in the midst of following Jesus while experiencing the suffering of doubt, Mm. the faithfulness of faith is so much more obvious to me that actually like being faithful, having faith in Jesus Mm. is not about, yeah, your, my intellectual confidence in him. It's Mm. about my, like being a stumbling saint, you know, like just, Mm each day walking toward him in obedience, even if mm-hmm. that doesn't feel very rewarding because I'm plagued by doubt. Yeah. 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 And I guess what I, what I hear you saying and James, it'd be awesome to hear sort of your experience of this in the life of your church and I yeah. guess being part of um, a pastor working with people on the ground, but like I hear what you're saying is like um, faith is, is it's not less than intellectual confidence no. um, as if we were anti-intellectual and we want to check our brains out at the door of the church. It's not less than that, but it is more than that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. That's really, that's really helpful. I think there's one other thing we could say about faith, but we'll get there in a second, but there's one thing I guess we've just defined sort of concretely that one of the reasons we struggle with doubt in our cultural moment is because most of us have been hoodwinked by, let's just say hyper rationalism to think faith is just, mental ascent in a bunch of ideas yeah. and when you realize it's not and you experience doubt you're actually free to temper the anxiety of the intellectual doubts we have with the other categories of life that are just as legitimate like discipleship uh spiritual disciplines embodiment and sort of being woven into the life of the local church yeah. they are part of the doubt and faith journey not just the brain yeah. um yeah mm-hmm. so anyway that's i think really helpful just to Summarize, James, what's, um, yeah, in terms of unhelpful definitions of faith, which um, load doubt in a particular way, what have you experienced um, with Yeah, as a leader in particular, that would be awesome. I look at the scriptures and when I reflect on faith, it's dependency and it's trust. Yeah. Uh, It's not having all of my answers. um, It's not having all of my answers, you know, perfectly lined up and everything making sense all the time. And therefore never grappling and never struggling and never wrestling. Yes. Um, and I think that's one of the big kind of 
lies, I guess, that like I think we need to undo in church culture. Yes. Which is that doubting somehow is a sign of lack of faith um, yeah. or lack of, of unbelief. And I mean, I guess I want to be careful there because, you know, like when Thomas doubts, Jesus calls him to belief. Mm-hmm. And so we don't glorify doubt and we don't kind of, you know, don't kind of give a, 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 a medal of honor for doubt as kind of like, oh, like we're woke because we have some doubt, which makes <laughs> us like, yeah. you know, these woke Christians or something. Yeah. Mm. Um, but it's almost always an opportunity for trust and always almost always an opportunity for, you know, the exercising of dependence and reliance. And so I think... Okay, you don't want to, like, embrace doubt. It's not something that you want to stay in. Right. You want to right. move through it, but you can trust that in moving through it, there's good stuff. Yeah. 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 And as yeah. you're moving through it, that shows your faith. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of like... um. If I can use another analogy, just this came to me as you were talking, James, but like, you know, let's just say you're engaged to be married and you've got some serious questions about the character, like the character of the person to whom you're engaged to be married. Those questions are essentially doubts about their character, their reliance, about their sort of Mm -hmm. quality for being married. And those questions should rightly put on hold the potential for you getting married. Um, And therefore, so the potential for the engagement to climax with the wedding and for you to make a commitment to one another. But the aim isn't to stay in this pre-married state yes. with huge questions about the character. Yeah. yeah, it's it's to enter into the life that's truly yeah. life, to live life vulnerable and yes. in-depth intimacy with the person that you love. And so that's... Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, love you, um, Thomas, for that. Uh, I'm going to ask James another pastoral question in a minute, but connected to that, um, I think it's it's also worth saying that the the wisdom of how to live as a Christian on with doubt is is going to be different depending on the kind of person that god has made you to be (laughs) um Mm. because Mm. i'm also aware that like all three of us here have similar ish personalities in terms of deep critical thinking um Mm. so i guess it's no surprise to me that in my sanctification journey the holy spirit has um decided to humble me by making by putting me through a season of really tough doubt where the result for me was having to rely less on my rational ability. Right. Um, but there may well be that that's not going to be everyone's story. Like mm. um, it was incredibly uh, important and freeing for me to get to the point in my faith where I had to realize, you know what? Jesus promises that he will bring me to the end that he I will be standing with him face to face and my rational capability has very little to do with that. Actually it has nothing to do with that. Um, Mm. But there will be other Christians who actually need to hear this is not worth believing. If it's not true, you should, you need to dig in. Like don't live your life kind of apathetically on the fence with, yeah, I guess it's probably true. Like, no, (laughs) find out if it's true. Um, so I, it just depends on, on yeah, who you are. And I guess that, that leads me into my, my question for James. Um, yeah, as a church leader, James, do you think that there's stuff that we can be doing practically, pastorally, teaching-wise, whatever, um, to better equip our church families to think about doubt, to deal with doubt? Yeah, I mean, 
it definitely comes down to a couple of things. People like to talk about, you know, creating a safe space. I feel like that's a bit of a buzz phrase. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. you know, we, we just need to create a safe space to talk about everything. And, you know, the idea behind that is right. The issue is that like everyone just says that to each other and then no one does it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so <laughs> I think like probably coming out of um, I think, uh, you know, if you're listening to this and you're a, a leader, a church leader, or you have some form of like, you know, public ministry within the church, like we just need to, we just need to model like vulnerability. Yeah. We just need to be honest about struggles and questions and doubts. Um, and you might be that one person with the perfect faith who's basically just, you know, the second coming of Jesus, but apart from you, I think everyone else genuinely has things to share and to be open and honest about. Um, and I think we need to do better at that. I also think that like, there's a tremendous opportunity in the digital age that we're in with social media to share parts of our lives that people might not otherwise see and to use that as an example to model things. Mm. And so like one of the things that I do which um, I do it deliberately, but it's not, um, it's not like inauthentic because it's, it's, gen it's genuinely me. It's like I'll share about mental health online and things like yeah. that because I want people who I'm doing life with, I want people in my congregation to know that it's okay, you know, not to be okay. It's okay to have doubts and struggles and to be wrestling with different things. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think church leaders, like we need to think, really practically about like how can we model vulnerability um you know when we're training up small group leaders are we just giving them skills around you know teaching the bible and you know using hospitality do we spend time talking about the importance of you know being a transparent leader mm -hmm. um being open and honest because you know culture is so much about what you model uh, is, you know, what you'll create because you give permission to people um, by what you do. But then as well, I think from the other aspects, you know, to put it on, I guess, the people, you know, sometimes I get a bit frustrated because people will talk about like, oh, like there was just never a safe space for me to like be open about anything. And I wish my pastor had talked about basically everything that I just said. Like there'll be someone in the congregation being like, I wish my pastor had done all these things. Yeah. And... You know, obviously I agree with that because I've just kind of encouraged pastors to do that. But at the same time, like we need to just take ownership of the fact that like the church is the people. And so yeah. if you want to see a culture of transparency, if you want to see safe spaces, people talk you. about things, then like make them. Yes. And I sometimes feel like, you know, people need a healthy push in the right direction and just a you know, a stronger word than just like a gentle encouragement, maybe like a, a firm encouragement, like be the church that you want to see. Yeah. Like if you know people struggle with doubts, help create that space, like ask probing questions and you share. Yes. Um, there's an aspect where like we need to be led, but we don't need to be in a position of leadership in order to lead. Yeah. And so we can still exercise our leadership in creating yeah. that, that kind of culture and environment as well. That's awesome. Yeah, that's good wisdom. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I I don't know how practical this is, but I, I guess it comes into, 
you know, teaching curriculums, but also just discipleship and family life and friendships. I am, yeah, I love it when the church um, uses the minds that God has given us well to think uh, about the like rational foundations for what we're proclaiming and make sure that the people in our churches feel really equipped, like feel, have every resource Mm. at at Mm. their fingertips to know that what they're being taught is true and makes sense. (laughs) Um, And this is, and this is, I guess this has always been the the case in church history, but particularly uh, maybe it feels particularly relevant in, in our kind of postmodern society, but um like the amount of Christians who don't know that there is good, really, really convincing historical evidence for Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, mm-hmm. that there is great epistemology work about um, the evidence of God in creation, that there is really solid, rational ideas for the ethics and morality of the biblical narrative. The amount of Christians who just have no idea, who've never heard um of these things and then they they question it and they think that they're the first person to mm. to wrestle with this or or question this um mm. is kind of scary so i think even though that's not going to be a, a solution for doubt um it's important that our that we're being thoughtful about giving people what we can mm. yeah yeah that's really good brie i think yeah often i mean in my own experience of doubt and i think this is really prevalent is people really can feel like they've discovered the one thing the one secret the one untruth that just debunks yeah. all of Christianity and the history of its witness. And yeah, when you do like one ounce of church history study or you um, <laughs> talk to someone who just knows the scriptures really deeply, yeah, like, you're pretty quick to see that actually, I probably haven't discovered the one thing that Christianity has yeah. been trying to hide. I haven't wrote the second volume of, you know, Dan Brown's <laughs> Vinci Code. Like this is, this is, someone's thought about this. Yes. And there's, there's great things with which I can wrestle and, yeah. and that's okay. Yeah. 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 And Tim Keller has um, that helpful quote where he talks about the, um, the strength of your faith is not found in your faith itself, but in the object of your faith, Mm. just reminding people to like fix our eyes on Jesus. He it's not, don't fix your eyes. So this is like me preaching myself. Don't fix your eyes. So internally on your own strength of your faith. That's a stupid thing to put your trust in. Like put your trust Mm. in Jesus. (laughs) No matter how weak your faith is day to day, he is strong. He's strong enough to hold it. Yeah. Yeah. I think people can get that too. Like that's a nice, it sounds like a sort of a nice throwaway line, but there's power there and people can get that. Um, yeah. I think, I mean, just to go back to the scriptures, we haven't really brought much of that in so far, but like my favorite, <laughs> my favorite story is um, the man with a, a demon possessed son who takes his son to the disciples. I shared this the other week at our church, but mm-hmm. yeah, it takes his son to the disciples, ask them to cast out the demon. They can't do it. And then the guy basically rats out the disciples to Jesus and says, your disciples couldn't fix the problem. Can you? And Jesus says, only you have to believe. Yeah. You know, here's believe, help my unbelief. And it's the same Greek root word in both of those words. I believe, help my unbelief. And yeah, it just comes back to that point. Like actually being a Christian doesn't mean being someone with, who doesn't have doubts. It means being someone who knows what to do with their doubts, bringing them to God. Right. Yeah. And that's real faith. Um, yeah, like all of our boldness, all of our timidity, all of our faith and all of our doubts right to him in the community of the church, um, sort of stumbling forward. Um, 
that's sort of the vision, I think. Um, and the moment we realize that, it means we've got a license to uh, address our doubts without thinking that our faith is on the line. Mm. But it also means we've got a higher vision not to let our doubts completely undermine our faith. Yeah. Um, or in other words, like it means we'll never be too hospitable to our doubts, mm-hmm. but we'll never be too hostile to our doubts. We'll yeah. never uncritically embrace them and let them tear down the whole edifice of our faith. Yeah. But at the same time, we'll never think that they're the thing that we should be ashamed of and therefore reject, sort of build up in the shadows uh, mm. to the detriment of our faith. Mm. Then we can, with wisdom, treat them. And that's a really free place to live. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Oh, this is such a good conversation. We have to wrap it up, but this was really fun. Thanks for hanging out. Mm. Thanks. Right. So yeah. good. So good.